Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from the Liberal Dan Studios in New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also join us in the chat room once I open it up. Uh, And that's over at the Blog Talk Radio page. over at blogtalkradio.com slash liberal dan um and you can also join us having some flash issues apparently so i'm just getting this open um briefly but we're also you can also skype in i believe uh that assuming that's working um to the show from the chat page and again if you're listening after the live broadcast you could always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., on the show thread at liberaldan.com. Now, got a um, you know, after a whole week of, of allowing the election to sit in, I'm, I've I've regained some of my sense of humor, which is, I guess, a good thing. Um, I've um, basically been trying to uh, you know make lots of jokes. So the, the obviously the the Joe Biden, Barack Obama memes are hilarious, and I'm sure you've seen them. And so those have obviously helped keep spirits up. And you know, there's there's been a lot of, um, you know, people you know who just don't understand, I guess, why somebody of Jewish descent uh, might be upset at the whole thing. Um, other people um, just. Yes, wanting to rub in our faces, I guess. I'm sure is potentially we might have rubbed it in Trump's faces as well had um, they been the ones that actually lost. But at the moment, it looks like Hillary Clinton is 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 about up one million votes in the popular vote count, which of course brings back memories of the year 2000. And when uh, Al Gore lost the presidential election, even though he won the popular vote as well. Um, and so there's, well, every time the election falls under the, well, the same, pre- same person who wins the Electoral College also wins the popular vote. Everybody, nobody has to seem to have a problem with the Electoral College. But of course, when this happens, and in, I think it's only happened five times in history, 
Um, however, it's happening um, happened twice in the last 16 years, which is, I guess, a lot relatively. Um, so it, it makes, and especially because both times it has happened recently, um, you wound up with a situation where the Democrat lost, the Electoral College lost winning the popular vote, which, of course, you know, if it happened once to one side and then that's another time, well, maybe it's like, oh, it's just a fluke. But it's, there's a, so there's a lot of conversation that goes on about whether or not we need the Electoral College today. And if we do, if we don't, um, how do we get rid of it? There are different ways to go about doing that, and I'll discuss those. Um, one's obvious, one might not be so obvious, and, and some conservative people that I know have a real problem with that, um, which there's some hypocrisy there, too. And we also have um, just problems with arguments on both sides of the aisle um, on this issue in and of itself. How do you show, um, how do you explain to somebody in the, I guess, the proper way and in the most convincing way uh, that the Electoral College is flawed, if you believe that it is flawed, and what other ways can you, um, can you um, talk about the Electoral College in ways that's going to hurt your argument. Um, but let's go over why it's needed first, and then we can go over um, we can go over why it's needed for, or why it was needed at the beginning, and then we will then also go over if it's needed now, how to fix it, and that gets the problems with the argument. But first, what what is the president today? What is it? Um, is it the president of the people of the United States of America? Is he the leader of the people, or is he a leader of states? And each state being led by a governor who is the leader of those individual people. And a lot of times that's what it comes down to. That, that's, that's one of the main ideological splits between a lot of different people in this conversation is, is it the president of the United States of America or is it the president of the United States, of these United States of America? The versus these causes you to have, I guess, different feelings about the whole thing. And, you know, potentially way back when it might have, you know, viewed that, you know, the president is the guy who's, in, who's kind of leading the state, a bunch of separate different states who have all joined the former union. But nowadays, you know, it might feel more like the president is the leader of the people. Um, and in most cases, it is the people who vote, choose the electors in the electoral college, and it is the... Um, people who um, ultimately have their say 
But again, it's like this time in the rare occasions, you have the people who are not um, having their say because their choice did not win the Electoral College. But back then, um, you had size of a size of a state is much bigger, not in terms of actual area, but in like the amount of time it would take to get um, from point A to point B. You know, you have slower transportation. The ability to get information from one place to another place is difficult. So the idea of everybody voting and coming in and then you have, you know, it could be a lot more difficult way back when. So having electors, that's why you don't want it. That's why you couldn't have a democracy back then either. You couldn't have a pure democracy because people in the democracy couldn't necessarily all discuss and de- debate these issues because of the time it took for for information to get back and forth across the states. So that's why you have Congress. That's why you have elected representatives to go up to Washington D.C. or now. <laughs> for you to discuss these issues. And that's also probably more efficient. But but Lord College is the same thing. You're electing people to go vote for the president. You're not actually electing a president. And that's I guess way back in the day that's you know, okay, I'm we're we're all gonna get together, we're all gonna choose these group of people. Those group of people are gonna pick the per- best person who should be president. And if there's a dilemma, then Congress works it out under the Constitution. So it was needed, um, you know, because of the fact that a, you know, people back then might have considered the states to be, um, you know, to be the president of the of the states and not the people. And b, just just from a standpoint of how to get information from one point to another, less people doing it, the easier it is to happen. So therefore, choosing electors is going to be a much more efficient way to do things than actually having everybody try and vote all at once. Um, and while they would vote on once, then you wouldn't know the, the results of the election. So then all those electors get together, they vote, and then you finally hear who the actual winner is at the end of the day. So obviously this isn't democracy. Um, and, and, and how did they, the founders set it up? Um, because you didn't have equal populations in the different states. Some states were bigger, some states were smaller. Some states had more population and were bigger in landmass. Other cases, states may have, you know, smaller population despite their landmass, etc. So, you wanted to be able to um, have the smaller states. That's that's why you have the Senate. The Senate, every state has a vote, and in the House, every state has a vote, apparently, supposedly according to their population. So the, the House is supposed to be the people's house and the Senate was supposed to be the state's house. The combination of total House votes and Senate votes makes what the state's electoral college vote is. So therefore, you have an example of um, you have an example of why these states are you know, that are smaller are going to have more power because even though they're smaller, they still have those two weighty Senate seats that are giving them more oomph. Um, so anyway, so let's take our first commercial break. 
Um, and we'll continue the discussion about the Electoral College and if it's needed and specifically, will the people in flyover states get impacted negatively? Will they be ignored more than they are now? So call in 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. ROJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Liberal Band Net Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. Again, you can join us at the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Um, you could also um, connect via Skype from the page on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. If you're listening after the um, live broadcast and you want to leave your com- comments known, let your comments be known, you could always uh, make a comment or a post on the show's thread on liberaldan.com. And that post is linked to from the Blog Talk radio page directly. Or, of course, you can search for Electoral College and you can find it that way. Um, so... The results of the election have caused a lot of people to not want to be able to to, to want to get rid of the electoral college, and obviously people are upset about the results because they view, um, you know, you know, thinking, well, why shouldn't uh, why shouldn't the person who wins the popular vote win? You know, and 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 you know, it might if you're viewing the president as a uh, president of the the people of the United States of America, or instead of the president of these quote United States of America, um, you you might have a compelling argument that way, and other people might think otherwise. Um, my concern with moving away from the electoral college, ignoring 
everything else, is the idea of the precedent that it would set. Should we allow anything to be chosen by a simple majority of the American people at all? Should the American people, nothing else in this nation is chosen by a popular vote. Because we're not, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a republic. And as much as we like to say that we live in a democracy, we live in a republic. And as I said before, a d- democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. A republic gives the sheep a veto. So if you, you, know, you don't want to live in a democracy, democracy basically can turn into mob rule. That's what happens when we've seen individual states vote to do things like ban gay marriage. Louisiana, the gay marriage ban passed with 80% of the vote back when it passed. And it took until very recently uh, for Albersfeld to actually overturn, to be a check on the vote of those people. So the idea that we should be electing anything without a sort of a check on the power of the people to choose is, 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 is a conundrum to me because I, I personally do think that ideally that the person who wins the electoral college should be the person who has the most votes. But I see the, you know, the counter argument of picking the electoral college. Do we want to do it? by taking that away and then allowing us to vote on one thing, do we then get to vote on, on many things? I don't know. It's, it's, it, it might open the door. I know the slippery slope argument is not necessarily the best argument to make, um, but it is a concern of mine. Um, so do we need it today? Do we need to... Um, get rid. Do we need to? Well, obviously, we don't have an issue with this, with disseminating information over distances. We can now communicate near instantaneously with people in any portion of the country or anywhere around the world, for that matter. Um, you still see in some interview feeds, some people doing video feeds with other people around the world. You still see a couple of seconds latency when that happens, but that's not. I mean. If you have to wait a couple seconds to get an answer, that's nothing compared to what the people back in 1776 or 1789, you know, late 18th century, that's not what those those people would have to ride horseback across states in order to get information from Virginia to Pennsylvania to New York or what have you. So you, you have, there's less of a need of, you know, such antiquities, I guess. However, but again, and, and then people who are going to make the counter argument that, well, we need the Electoral College because the states, the small states, need to have their say, and that people in flyover country are going to be ignored by the people running for president if we don't have the Electoral College. So, and, and there, there's there's two problems with that defense. And this is not to say that we should undo the Electoral College, but 
there's two problems with that defense of the Electoral College, or one problem with each of those arguments, I should say. Uh, the first argument is that um, that the people in flyover country are going to be ignored, or I would probably alter that to say the people in those states in flyover country are going to be ignored more under a popular vote than they would be under the Electoral College. Electoral College, you have three votes. So, hey, awesome. You know, those are three votes that somebody could want to have. Whereas the popular vote, your population might, according to the arguments of the people making the flyover argument, your population might not be attractive to somebody, and the election is only going to be decided by people, quote, on the coasts. We had a guest for a second, and then that guest disappeared, unfortunately. Um, So here's the problem. Do you remember or do you recall anybody making presidential stops in Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota? It's possible I don't even did, did Trump stop in Kansas? Did Hillary stop in Kansas? They might have stopped in Nebraska only because there is potentially an up for grab seat that's in one district that could be flipped blue because it's, you know, gerrymandered. But do do we really are we really going to believe that these states are going to be ignored more? if we got rid of their electoral college, say, and just went on strict population? I would argue no. I would argue that they would be no more ignored because if if, if the amount of attention paid to them is zero and you switch systems, you can't pay less attention than zero. So because you can't pay less attention than zero, they can't be ignored less. Now, will they be ignored more? I mean, will, will, will they? Will you? How would they possibly be paid more attention? I would argue that you know, if you have elections that are be decided, that are going to be decided by millions of votes, that a combination of those states are going to form up enough votes that could flip somebody. You may have somebody who might want to go to maybe maybe a a Democrat might go to a city in a red state and say, hey, we want to get the vote out here because if we get the vote out here, it might help us nationally. You might have, I think you might actually wind up having more people paying attention, especially to cities in these states. And if you're paying attention to the cities, then you're going to, you may, you have a, you have a chance of, of impacting the suburbs and the earth, suburban areas and the rural areas that surround those cities. So I would just go ahead and, and, and make the argument that I think it's the exact opposite. I don't, I don't think that the people making the argument saying that the flyover country is going to be impacted is, is true. I think it'll be impacted in a positive way, if anything, especially because I don't think that they could be in any way more negatively impacted. So you're either going to stay the same or you're going to increase the amount of attention that's paid to them with their concerns and their issues. But the other thing is this is that you have um, a situation in the Electoral College where 
you know, the electoral college again is based on the idea that each state is going to have as many congressmen and senators, you add them up, that becomes your total electoral map. So do the people in California, what does their say as compared to the people in Montana and, and that's usual or Wyoming. That's usually the argument that's used because California is the most populous state. Wyoming is the least populous state. And so comparing the two. Now, there are some flaws with how these two are actually compared um, when it comes to it. I think that there is the more, there's a more realistic way to look at it versus the, oh, my God, kind of crazy way to look at it. Um, but ultimately, the bottom line is, is that you have, um, you have the, these congressional seats and congressional districts are supposed to be apportioned properly. They are supposed to be apportioned by population. And the problem is, is that they've capped the number of seats at 435 in the House, plus 100 for the Senate, plus three for Washington, D.C. They've capped it. So as populations grow and shrink, you're not going to be able to effectively and realistically adjust the numbers of seats for the House to apportion the congressional districts properly. So what happens is you wind up having states having more, even more say in Congress than they should normally, which because then that affects the Electoral College. Let's go ahead and take the second commercial break. Uh, coming back, taking your calls, 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. representation or advice on issues such as family law, bankruptcy law, DWI, or other civil or criminal matters, you need hands-on legal advice from someone who will treat you as a priority and not just another number. So call the law office of Sherry I. Sandler at 504-528-9500. That's 504-528-9500. Or email sandlerlaw at cox.net. I trust Sherry with my legal needs. So should you. The preceding ad was an unpaid client endorsement. Do you like fun jewelry? Do you wish you could design jewelry that is designed just for you and that tells your story? Well, with Origami Owl, you can do just that. An Origami Owl jewelry bar is a fun way to get together with your friends, hang out, and design jewelry. There is no pressure to buy, but when you host a party, either in person or online, 
you have the opportunity to get deeply discounted jewelry based on what the friends you invite to the party purchase. If you would be interested in holding a party, either online or in person, go to kathiezcharms.origamiowl.com. That is C-A-S-S-I-E-Z charms.origamiowl.com and contact Cassie today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation is 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. And so we're talking about the Electoral College. And I did some some calculations. I haven't, I haven't done all of the calculations. I'm going to kind of make a... My intent is to make a more in-depth kind of cheat sheet on this, um, going into why um, problems, what the problems are with the um, with with the propositions and with the complaints about the electoral college, and why um, some people, um, you know, might be making. A disingenuous argument when it comes to the amount of power that it has, or maybe it is. Um, so here's the popular here's the popular one that's there. Electoral College math: the population of California is 38 million. Wyoming is 584,153. California has 55 electoral votes. Wyoming has only three. It takes 705,452 Californians to equal one electoral college vote. It takes 194,717 Wyomingites, excuse me, to equal one electoral college vote. That makes every vote from Wyoming worth 362% what each vote in California. So is that true? Well, yeah, it's true. But the problem with looking at it that way is that it's taking into consideration the Senate seats, which are not proportionally distributed based off of their size. Um, there, so since they're not um, by so sorted by size, um, then. It's not really giving the how totally showing how really unfairly distributed the um, it is. So what I've done in my math example is I've ignored the issue. Well, I've ignored I'm ignoring the sentences for the second. I think a better way to potentially look at it is to ignore the Senate seats. Uh, By doing that, you're just looking at the House seats and you're looking at the apportionment. You're looking at how Congress has not done its job apportioning these seats correctly, at least as the founding fathers would have liked. Now, according to the Constitution, um, the congressmen can represent 
no more or it can be no more congressmen in a state than one congressman representing 30,000 people. So what if we were to do that? What if we were to make 30,000 the benchmark? 30,000 makes up one seat, okay? So if you're a state with 30,000, or if you're, you would have one congressional seat, but there's no states with just 30,000. To give you an idea how ridiculous this would be, um, if California were to have that as the goal or as, as the measuring stick, or you, if you would have um, Wyoming would have 19, would have 19 because you couldn't round up. It would be 19.57, but you can't round up because you, you, you would then have more congressmen than one per every 30,000. So you would then have 19 congressmen from the state of Wyoming. And the state of California would have 1,316 congressmen. The total number, I'm being really annoyed with my spreadsheet right here because it's not necessarily giving me what I want uh, when it comes to my tools that I would have liked to have had um, that available. Um, anyway, so that it would be you'd have between Texas and California, you'd have 2,200, another 1,300, so that's 3,500, 4, 5,500, 5,500, 6,000, might You would probably have over 9,000 seats in Congress if you did it that way. Not a very smart way to do things. Uh, so, so I'm not going to propose that we go that drastic of a route. But if we look at the... Um, if you look at the, uh, hold on. If you look, if you look at the, the Wyoming, so, okay. Wyoming is a state that has 587,910 is what, I found online is what their population is. So let's just say 600,000 is good enough to have one electoral college vote or one congressional seat, I guess. So you have 600,000. So then you take all of the state's populations, divide them by 600,000, and that's how you would reapportion it. So what you wound up happening is instead of having 435 congressional seats, you would have 539 congressional seats if you took that as the measure. So Wyoming stays the same. Vermont stays the same. Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota um, states all stay the same. They all, they all have South Dakota barely. 
you have the same amount of people. But then once you if you got to 1.5 or higher, if you had that that 0.5 would still wind up giving you an extra potentially an extra seat. So you might have even more than 538 because of all the the 0.5. So actually you have 42 and 59, which is um, 101 extras. So actually it's more like you're actually losing a lot of votes from your less than fives in this case. So you're actually only having 101 extra seats added to 535. So you'd have 435. So you'd have 636. I mean, 536 would be the total number of, yes, 636. 536, I mean, I'm just, my mind's going crazy. 536 536 would be the number of votes that you would have. (sighs) So, but if you would do it my way, the way that I'm suggesting that we potentially do it by reapportioning the states and, and lifting that 435 cap, what would have happened in this election is Hillary Clinton would have gotten 42 more electoral votes and Donald Trump would have gotten 59 more electoral votes. And actually that 42 includes DC, which loses two. So in reality it's 44 plus 59, which is 103, which again, which does get you to 538. So actually the, the, the states that are above 0.5 and the states that are below 0.5, they kind of averaged out. So, but because Washington, D.C. only has a population of 684,000, that only gives them 1.14 when you divide it by 600,000, which would mean that you have negative two the total number of electoral college votes that would be out there. Now, again, the Senate ones are the same. So, so instead of having 538 um, electoral votes to win, to, to have to split up, you would instead have um, 100, you would have 638. So you would need 340 to win. But again, you would have a net gain of 42 blue states according to the state totals in this election, and you would have a you would have 59 more in the red line. So if you did it the way that I would be suggesting to do it, it wouldn't have changed the election. You would still wind up having um, you'd still wind up having a Donald Trump victory um, because. I mean, basically, you have California, you add 13 for California. That's how many congressional seats California would gain. But Texas gets 11. But New York gets six. Illinois gets three. And then you see Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida gets seven. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina all get three. Michigan gets four. New Jersey, Virginia both get three. Washington gets two. Arizona gets three just because of the math. Um, Massachusetts, Tennessee, Indiana, Missouri, everybody's getting additional bumps. Everybody's kind of getting additional bumps, um, you know, with, for the most part. The only states that wind up gaining zero electoral college votes, you have New Mexico, Nebraska, West Virginia, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Maine, Rhode Island, um, North Dakota, Alaska, Vermont, and Wyoming. Those are the ones that will not gain any 
congressional seats. Delaware gets one, Montana gets one, Hawaii gets, well, Idaho gets one, Kansas gets one, Nevada gets one, Arkansas, Mississippi, Utah, Iowa, Connecticut, Kentucky, Alabama, South Carolina, Colorado, all wind up getting one vote. And it's weird that, you know, you have a Colorado, say like Colorado is populous Colorado with eight congressional seats. They only get one. So they're currently apportioned more equitably as compared to the population of Wyoming than Oregon, which is a smaller state population-wise, but would still pick up two according to this formula. Now, is this formula good? Is it perfect? I mean, nothing is necessarily perfect. I think you would probably be able to find flaws in many of the things that are being discussed. Um, But it's just something that I think is worthy of consideration. When you have this conversation, you have to know how these things are going to be impacting the race as a whole. So let's say we were to decide, okay, this electoral college thing um, to actually apportion, you know, those congressional seats, the reapportionment might work to, to make things a little more equitable, but the Senate seats might still stick in the craw of people who don't think that Wyoming should have that much say because their Senate seats counting for more. Um, So what, but because they're implementing it this way, because they've capped it at 435, I think it's still um, a violation of what the founding fathers believed. So how are people trying to fix it? Well, you have Senator Barbara Boxer. She wants to get a constitutional amendment going. I don't necessarily believe that this constitutional amendment has any chance of passing, even though Donald Trump supposedly believes that you should get rid of the Electoral College. If he really were to push for this, uh, it would probably be the first thing that I would give him credit for. And I say that begrudgingly because of the fact, you know, that he did say, you know, that he would, he would support this, thing, even though it's the thing that helped him win. So if he legitimately legitimately believes that, which at the moment I have no reason to believe, but if he were to legitimately believe that, then I would go ahead and say, okay, fine. That's one thing where I would agree with him on, or at least give him credit for, for maintaining a position despite the fact that keeping that position, you know, had had the position that he wanted actually came true, he wouldn't have won the election. So, whatever. Maybe it's a way that he's reaching out to the other side of the aisle. Maybe it's just a load of hooey. But at the end of the day, it's not really that worth that much. I, I don't think you're going to see the Electoral College going away anytime in the near future because you would have to see like, what, three quarters of the state voting for it, so maybe 38 states, I think, would have to vote for it. And that's not going to happen. That's just plainly not going to happen. 
because the small states are not going to want to give up their power. Even though I've already argued that the idea that they would lose power or lose say with a popular vote, I think that that's unproven. I think that there's no evidence to that fact, and I think that I think that in reality, this could potent, you potentially have a situation where uh, the people in the small states could get more power as people are fighting over these votes. As, as we've seen, we have a very close election here. It was a very close election, popular vote-wise. So if, it's gonna, if elections are going to be that close, then people are going to be fighting for all of the votes in the middle. And it's going to be nationwide battle for every single vote that you could potentially get. So, again, I'm going to disagree with those people who are saying that the flyover states won't matter at all. I think that they will. I think that, I think they clearly will. But what's the other idea? Can you circumvent the Constitution? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that you circumvent the Constitution. States are permitted to award electoral college ballots in any way that they see fit. I disagree with that. Personally, I don't like that states like Nebraska and Maine split their votes up by congressional district. It should be all or nothing. If, until, unless everyone does it, and then it should be – but I still don't have a problem with that because you wind up having gerrymandered districts. Since you wind up having gerrymandered districts, States like Pennsylvania with 18 congressional seats, you know, have them split, you know, 13 to 5, even though, you know, and from 2012, even though Obama won that state with a majority, and as such, if if those seats were drawn up equitably, uh, you would have seen nine, pretty much nine and nine, nine Democrats, nine Republicans serving the House of Representatives from the state of Pennsylvania. So I don't believe in using congressional seats or districts as an awarding of anything. And I think that allowing states, I think that's bad. But the states, but, it, but since they still can, the states can choose to decide how they're going to divide up their electoral college votes. So some states have decided that they're going to pass something that says, as long as the states who have passed this bill into law, as long as their total number of electoral college ballot votes are more are a simple majority, then those the states will go those electoral college votes from those states will go to the winner of the popular vote. So what does that mean? So you get Pennsylvania, you get Florida, you get even you get California, you get lots of populous states doing this. You get enough states to where a simple majority of electoral votes, electoral college votes, 270 or more, sign on and say, yes, we are going to implement this as law. So then on election day, Everyone casts their votes, but you don't see, you just see, okay, well, this person won Florida, but Florida was one of those states, and, but nothing happens, because no electoral college votes are given, because you won't know until the very end of the day. Um, 
What states have done this? D.C. has done this. California has done it. Hawaii, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington. So pretty much a bunch of liberal states and, and some pretty, some populist ones um, have chosen to do this. And, but they don't have uh, the 270. So you have 11 states possessing 165 electoral votes. So you need additional 105 electoral votes for it to take effect. Um, The bill has passed at least one legislative chamber in 12 states, possessing an additional 96 votes. So if those states were go ahead and pass it totally, then you would only need seven more more votes worth of states. Um, It has been introduced in various years in all 50 states. And has received at least one, at least one committee hearing in almost every state. Um, National popular vote bill has passed a total of 34 state legislative chambers in the 23 states. Now, whatever that means, probably means that in those 23 states, it got through at least one chamber, but not both. Has been passing the law in those states. But you know, I worry about the side effects of this bill. Because it would then be possible for, let's say, a person to win just on the slimmest of majorities and then how do you deal with electoral issues? Like, how do you deal with, let's say, the vote is so close and you need to check certain votes in some states, but those states aren't part of that problem. Let's say Texas um, Texas doesn't uh, has a voting irregularities and there's like a hundred thousand votes that are missing. Now in Texas, Texas maybe didn't uh, fill out the electoral college, but those hundred thousand votes really don't matter because the person won Texas by more than that. So there was plenty more to spare. So the person who wins Texas then, um, you know, the person who doesn't win Texas tries, but who is trying to win the electoral college sues Texas to try and get the results recounted, changed, or whatever. Texas goes, well, we don't need to do this. We're not signed on to this stupid little pact, and we're just awarding electoral college votes like normal. So how do you deal with enforcement of recounting of votes in a popular election when not everybody's taking part in a popular election? I think that's one of the issues that are not being thought about clearly when it comes to this bill. However, at the end of the day, I mean, if somebody does get the popular vote, they are given... 270 electoral votes plus whatever. Let's say they squeak by with the popular vote. So they get all of those states that don't have it, plus they get the additional 270 that does. And then you wind up having having somebody with like a landslide of electoral college votes, even though they won by a squeaker. So people can will, will try and put, take that into meaning more than it actually does. And while... I guess the state with its, is within its rights to have other people control what's in those states. I can't imagine that some people in those states would not would have a problem with it. Some people might say, well, why should other states get to choose where my vote goes? My vote not matter at this point because it's other people's votes. How I vote maybe kind of impacts how it happens, but in the old way, my vote had a bigger chance of directly impacting the results of the election because I'm trying to change a small group of votes. That's one of the arguments that are made in defense of the Electoral College is that, you know, you actually have, I've heard this at Disney World of all places, that you have a chance, you have a bigger chance 
of impacting the results of an election by voting as part of the electoral college than you do voting in a national election because the national election, you're one out of however many voted. In an electoral college, you're one out of however many voted in your state impacts the total electoral number, electoral vote counts. Some people don't buy that argument. I, I don't necessarily find it to be ultra compelling, but I mean, it, it at least is worthy of consideration when taking into consideration all of the things that are brought up in discussing whether or not we should dump the popular vote or dump the electoral college for the popular vote. As a side note, um, I did want to mention that Kate Upton, she gets the tweet of the week this week. Because apparently the Cy Young Award is, is figured out in a way that's not dissimilar to the Electoral College. Uh, apparently two Tampa Bay writers did not vote Justin Verlander as their choice. So even though Justin Verlander got the most number one votes uh, in determining whether or not he should be the um, Cy Young winner this year, somebody else got it because two people kind of abstained or didn't vote for him or what have you. And so she, I'm not using her exact words, but she basically says, I'm sorry, Major League Baseball, but I'm the only one who's allowed to screw my husband, Justin Verlander. So she gets the tweet of the week. So I, I but again, she is raising similar issues as to the Electoral College, where you have the person who got the most votes. Is not going to be our next president. The person who got the most number one votes in the Cy Young Award voting for the American League is not going to get the Cy Young. So it's humorous to say the least. Um, but, you know, I do plan I'm going to try. I'm going out of town next week. And as I said, a warning, I won't be on the air next week because I will be in Baltimore. It's my annual trip to visit my family because um, I'm originally from Maryland. So I'm not going to uh, be on the, on the air next week, but I'll be back the week after. And we will be trying to discuss more issues. We'll be seeing how what's going on um, with the uh, with Donald Trump. I'll, I'll of course be tweeting uh, probably all over the course of the next week, so you can um, you know pay attention to that and see some of my ideas. Maybe I'll try and make a couple of blog posts as well. I'd like to try and get this blog post up too to try and uh, get a little more information on on how the states you know would look if you apportioned it properly um, and what the end result would be um, and some, some of the arguments that again that I've made on this podcast um, over and at the end of the day I'm not I'm not totally convinced that we need to move away from it I don't think a constitutional amendment is going to have any chance of passing um, I don't necessarily know if the end around is the best way to do things either um, it's just a mess it's a mess I do think the electoral college is slanted and and, and Part of the problem with it, part of the problem with just the apportionment is how it's apportioned um, in Congress. And I think that, you know, we should be getting rid of districts altogether. And I've discussed this before. That's one of the things I actually would like to make a, a little bit more of a focus in the coming weeks and months to come. Actually, before the election came, this is going to be my primary focus. My primary focus before this election, what I assumed would be my primary focus after this election was going to be that idea pushing hard for the idea that we should get slates of candidates instead of um, congressional districts, because we, we don't need geographical representation unless we want it. 
And under the slate system, if you want geographical representation, if you want to run a New Orleans slate of candidates, for example, then you register as the New, the New Orleans slate and you run it. The New Orleans slate gets one um, one sixth of the Louisiana votes because we have six representatives in the House of in the House of Representatives. If they get one sixth of the vote, then guess what? You get a sixth of the vote. You're good. If you get two, if you get two sixths of the vote, even better. Then your top two people are going to get seats. Only problem I, I can foresee potentially is if a slate got more votes a higher percentage of, of votes in the state than they actually ran candidates for, then that might be an issue. So you might have to have on each slate a number of people running as um, needed. Or you may, in larger states, you may want to, with larger population states, you may want to, like California, where you have 55, you may want to split it up a little bit geographically and say, all right, well, the northern part of California will have some slates, and the southern part of California will have some slates, and the middle part of California will have some slates, and all the slates added up will be fine, but we'll, we'll split it up. And, and maybe leave the states to determine how that happens. But ultimately, I think slates, but you know, it's going to be the way to go. It should be the way to go. I would love to see that happen in my lifetime. Um, but that is not going to be my main focus now because of P-E-T-D, D-T, P-E-D-T. I find myself, I cannot say the words that the acronym P-E-D-T stands for. And I also found that one of my cousins did the exact same thing. Seems that she can't say it either. She also says P-E-D-T. So I'm, I'm amused. I'm wondering how many people are saying P-E-D-T because they can't bring themselves to say the words. Maybe I'll tweet that out after the show. It would be an interesting thing to, to see um, how it, how the results are. Um, but anyway, that is the end of this week's show. Um, again, I will not be on the air next week. I will be on the air in two weeks uh, to discuss more of the transitioning of power um, but you can follow me at Little Band Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash LittleBand, From two weeks from now, this is Dan Zimmerman with Little Band Radio. Talk to the left. That's right.